And uh, boy, his head popped right up, looked right at me, and I just froze still. And he kind of calmed down. I gave some soft yelps with my mouth call. So, you know, that we always talk about, you know, tips and tricks, you know, keep a mouth call in your mouth because I gave it just a couple small little yelps and a purr, and he just kind of relaxed back down, and he started working his way back towards me again. And as he was getting close to this uh, uh, huge, nice, big, fat tree, I was like, well, as soon as he gets behind that, I'm just going to raise my gun, and I'll be ready for him about 45 yards. And he got behind that tree and out of that tree faster than I could get my gun up, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. WiseEye. Hunt Control. Present. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. I'm calling in via phone. Standing on my porch as it is pouring down rain. Watching rain run over my gutters. My gutters are full because I am not agile enough to get on the roof to clean out the gutters. Neither is Wayne Locke or you, Redbone, or Linda Bird. But, man, it's a rainy day here in the Ozarks. The title of our show is a wrap-up of turkey season. Reflecting back, we're going to talk about the numbers of birds harvested in the state of Missouri. And uh, we had a great season. Of several days, Redbone, Wayne, that I did not work turkeys. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you got nephews and $20 will probably get those gutters cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I texted my nephews, and they all said they're too busy going to ball games and this and that. So Yeah, two of them are probably in the gym. Somewhere two, else because they're busy. Yeah, two know? of them are in the gym eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah, well, Brody's lifting weights, and Jaren's lifting weights. They're playing baseball. Yep. And Sawyer's playing ball. They're doing family stuff, and I understand. But anyway, I'll find somebody to clean my gutters for me. Uh, but, hey, guys. Redbone, you did get the turkey hunt, and I know Nina was sick, and we've been praying for her, and everything's turned out good. Uh, Wayne hunted a few days. Uh, Wayne didn't have no luck. It had a gobbler called in and got busted. Uh, but I want to reflect back. And before we do, uh, won't you talk about the numbers, Redbone? All right. Well, the number, I mean, and we're just talking statewide here, and I don't have the Arkansas numbers, and I apologize for that. But in Missouri, uh, the uh, spring turkey harvest is 44,544 birds, and that is up about 6,000 from last year, and um, well, from two years ago, and up about 7,000 from the year before, from last year. So, statewide, Alex, it was it was a really good year. Now it's still not back to the 50 and 60 thousands that we had back in the back in the you know the late 90s and the early 2000s, but it shows an increase. But I, I was reading an article the other day that has a reason for that. And uh, and and the reason being, at least according to this article, and I, I forget who it was who wrote it. Uh, it may have been somebody with MDC. 
and that is the number of turkey hunters has increased significantly in the last 10 years. So even though the number is greater at 44,500, the ratio of hunters to turkeys harvested is lower. That makes sense. Yeah. Our turkey number hunters are down as a whole, I think. Yeah. Well, they sold more permits this year than ever. Yeah. There's not as many people turkey hunting. I heard a lot of people say, well, I'm not even going to hunt this year. Uh, talk to people all over the country, say, in southern, especially in southern Missouri, saying, I just don't have the turkeys on my farm. Said, I got a couple of goblins, but I'm not going to go kill them. It's like me. I had one turkey here on my farm, goblin, and I never hunted him. And I was hunting west of here on another piece while I had five or six turkeys. And I could hear my farm, and I heard somebody shoot over here uh, close to my farm, so they may have killed him, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But they just people like that. They got a right to hunt and kill them. And, uh, but some people look at turkey hunting different than others. You know, I look at it as a resource to help our state and help our communities. And I don't believe in killing every turkey that I can kill. I believe we got to take care of the resource. You agree, Wayne? Well, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I know part of the uh, increase in, in hunting hunters in general, not just turkey hunters, but deer hunters, was uh, during the COVID years. Mm-hmm. That we had uh, people were off work, so people who thought, "Man, I just never had the time to get into hunting," and that all of a sudden they had nothing but time. Right. So they were able to get into hunting and stuff. And I know they talked about that really increasing the numbers of uh, not only you know turkey hunters but deer hunters too. Yeah. Well, let's look at some of the county numbers around the uh, what we consider to be our listing area. Uh, Franklin County, not in our listing area, but it was the number one county in the state, of course. It always is. Uh, Franklin County reported one thousand thirty four birds. Uh, were harvested. Um, Howell County, uh, which is normally among the top five in the state, not even close. 331. Wow. Oregon County, 273. Shannon County, 400. Texas County. Which county beat Howell County for the first time ever. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, easily. Uh, Texas County at 845. So that's a good number in Texas County. Uh, Ozark County at 278. Ripley County, 207. Dent County, uh, 646. Douglas County, 441. St. Genevieve County, 632 birds. Oh, wow. Up along the Mississippi River. Butler County over on Poplar Bluff, 105. And Reynolds County, uh, just to our north, at 203. So, I mean, you know, that if you draw a map there and put those numbers in, you see that, uh, yeah, south of Highway 60, turkey hunting not so good. North of Highway 60, Turkey hunting was better. Yep. The numbers aren't here in southern Missouri like they should be. I'll say it again. Yeah, we did have an increase. We do have a little more, a few more turkeys here in Shannon County, Oregon County, Carter County, uh, Howe County. I just don't think we have as many turkey hunters in Howe County as you normally do. Uh, that's what I think. Yeah, but now- I think Shannon County, you, you know Shannon County's got lots of hunters because they come in from every state. You've seen the motels pull and people coming in from everywhere to hunt here. That's one of the reasons that we killed 300 some birds. But if you took the numbers of turkeys that was killed in comparison to number of hunters that hunted, there's a way to find that out in southern Missouri and Shannon County. It would blow your mind to success. Yeah, and Alex, you brought up a good point. You know, earlier when you said that you know guys were just not going out because they're like the numbers aren't there. We understand that the the population's down, so we're not even going to hunt this year. Well, the weather, the weather was 
And the weather did. Yeah, weather, you know, didn't help too. But, I mean, I ran into hunters, you know, when I was out in the public lands, and they're like, hey, you know, we would love to take two birds, but the grounds can't give it up. So we're just going to do one, and we may not even do one at all. They just enjoy getting out. What's aggravating, I'm going to say it, I don't care who's listening, is these guys going out here killing more than they're supposed to. You know, uh, that's a tragedy. That, That hurts our resource terribly. You know, these guys that's doing that are thinking more of themselves than they are kids. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's I always going to happen. It happens with every species that we hunt on the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, just, it does. there's always, there's always going to be those jerks that do that, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. They're, and they're not hunters. I don't, no, I don't, put, no, I don't call hunters. them hunters. They no. don't care about kids. They don't care about the future. Yeah. They just want to kill something for their ego. Yeah. yeah. But anyway... I it's in my crawl, and, you know, back when I was younger, I'd done stupid things. I'm not proud of it, but I've learned from it. When you buy your own land, and uh, you see kids, and you take attention to kids, and you want to share the outdoors and see these kids experience what I've experienced, and uh, to keep our tradition strong, uh, I advocate uh, supporting uh, taking kids hunting and to take care of the resource, for sure. All right, time for us to go to break. break. We're going to go to break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk more about recapping, looking back to Missouri's hunting season and other states throughout this past spring. Sharing stories with you and tactics and techniques. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. And good friends. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I can load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries has even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Across the creek of a big old hill Year after year Got my Hey turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy longbeard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com.
Shannon County was stable, but if you think of the numbers of hunters that come into Shannon County, the numbers should be a lot more than that. That being said, we're going to talk about recapping memories that was made this past spring. And my journey started off in Toledo Bend, fishing with wise-eyed Daryl Monk and uh, one of his brother-in-law. And I got the largemouth fish down there on the Toledo Bend, one of the bucket list things to do, Wayne Redbone. And I just reflect back, and I think of the three days I spent down there with those guys that treat me like family. And I think we caught 70-plus bass, and we kept 40 in three or four days, four days of fishing. We kept 40 between four of us, three of us. And from there, I went up to Alabama, southern Alabama, to hunt with a buddy of mine, Rusty Brown. I hunted two and a half days there, called in two longbeards right off the bat. They came off the hillside, come to us. I'm filming Rusty, going to let him shoot. And I just couldn't get the camera on it. It was real thick, and they come into 25 yards and let them walk off. Never got on another turkey red bone or wane after that. Not mm. another goblin turkey. We did get on a goblin with some hens. Called to him. He never gobbled. Started coming to him with six hens he had with him. Started leaving. Me. He left me and went with them. Hmm. Left from there and went up to northern Alabama and met with my good friend Bobby Thicker, who was born and raised around Mountain View, Missouri, and he lives down in northern Alabama. And when I got there, their season wasn't open, so I couldn't hunt in his county. I had to drive 45 minutes to an hour to a county south of there and never got on the Goblin Turkey the whole two days I was there with him. So that's what happened in Alabama. No kills in Alabama. And that's highly unusual because that's usually one of those states where the birds are just dropping like flies. Yep. Hmm. Get on them. Sure did not get on them. Then uh, from there, I come back home for a few days and we left and we went to South Dakota with Rock Road Outfitters. We had several guests to come in and spend three day camp with us. We ended up shooting nine long beards, six hunters in camp. Uh, no, I take that back. It was four hunters in camp. Five hunters. Five hunters in camp. One of them did not kill his two. And we shot nine long beards in two and a half days. Rock Road Outfitters has 123,000 acres to, to hunt out there, and those are the Marion species. I did not buy a tag. I filmed and called for other people, and the people I called for was Mr. Greg Cherney. He was on the show with us, and he had his chance at the the albino ghost that they called. And uh, lots of turkeys, those turkeys you could absolutely drive up within 50 yards of them. But the minute you get out of the truck, they run and take off, you know. But <laughs> uh, you don't do that to Eastern here, Red Bone White. But now, but, but Turney did end up killing the ghost. He missed the ghost. We're going to recap that. Yeah. The first day we get on turkeys and uh, the first day we did not get on nothing that we could work. They's all off of the property where we, the zone we was in. The next day we go to another farm and uh, we see the gray goat or the albino ghost. And there's an albino hen there as well in the guy's yard. And I'll never forget it. We're sitting there filming them and got footage of it and, uh, we drive down the road after filming them. A guy comes up to us and says, what are you doing hollering? You scared my son. Uh, we were just talking to the turkeys, you know, getting some footage. Well, you scared my son. But anyway, 
it never escalated to anything, and we got that straightened out. And anyway, we knew where the gobbler's at, went in area, went in that area that uh, evening, and uh, oh, later that morning, I'm not that evening, but later that morning, we saw uh, albino gobbler with a bunch of hens and other gobblers next to an old house place, abandoned house place. And uh, we drove up within 100 yards of the turkeys, and Mr. Turney gets out of the truck, slips around the truck, and slips up to make a shot, and he misses the turkey at 35, 40 yards, mm. the albino. He's just sick. He's shooting my 410 with the Vortex red dot scope and didn't even touch him. So we think that's the only chance we're going to get on that gobber. We go eat lunch. We come back. We thought, well, we're going to set up another old house because we know that albino gobbler's here. And we heard I made turkeys gobble off in the distance using the Evelyn Slate call and the ARO tube call uh, down in the ravines. Out there in South Dakota, it's really open, but the only timber there is, it's usually pine and fence rows and down in the valleys where the timbers are at, and the ditches, drainages. And uh, I, I guess around 4.30, 5 o'clock, a turkey gobbles out to the right and looks. And Greg calls me to the wind. He goes, there's a gobbler over here. So I began working the gobbler, and we got awesome footage of this gobbler mating a hen. And anyway, we worked the gobbler in to uh, 40 yards, a hen at 30 yards, and Greg shoots and misses that gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> now, not to, so in, Greg's, old, in Greg's defense, and this I, was his I, first Greg, time I don't know him. what to tell you. He's about, he's mad. I mean, he's mad. He thought, I think I'll just quit and go home. I said, no, you ain't. You're not quitting going home. So anyway... Uh, we go into camp at night, and I didn't want to tell nobody he missed, but he did. And I told him, I said, don't worry about it, man. I missed 13 one spring. <laughs> so that was South Dakota. We go. That's the second day of the hunt, the third day of the hunt. Uh, we set up next to a county road uh, in the same field, cut cornfield next to the house, but about 500, 600 yards away from the old house thinking the gobbler, white gobbler was across the road where we thought he was at on the neighbors. We're sitting there. We set up a, a uh, tied we 270 see-through blind. We're about 100 yards from the county road in a little drainage ditch. And we hear turkeys gobbling. We had turkeys gobbling out in front of us on the neighbors. We tried to drag them across for 200 yards. We seen the hens, didn't see the gobblers. And Anyway, we're sitting there and, and, uh, all of a sudden, I look out the left window towards the county road across the fence, and in the county road, guess who was there? The <laughs> albino ghost was in the county road coming right to us. Our AVNX decoys, and he's coming closer and closer, and all of a sudden, another turkey gobbles up the road on the neighbors up there on the county road. He leaves us, goes to the hens, and the other gobbler. So we think we've lost him. Then we seen somebody come along the Jeep. They saw him, too, and they drive in the field trying to kill him. So we think we don't get another chance at him. So our guide told us, said, hey, we're coming to get you to take your lunch. It's 11 o'clock. said, no, we want to wait till 11 or 12 o'clock. When they get to about 1140, 1145, and they said, hey, come here, come here. We're at the road waiting on them. Oh, my little gobbler's up by the old house right now. So we slip around, drive around, make a circle around edge of the field of the old house and we set up on the gobbler and I'm thinking, well, if he knows we're over there on the road, 
and they push him to us in a sense, if I call. So that's what we did. We set up on the fence row, and lo and behold, here come the gobbler with three or four hens following the hens. They fly over the fence, land them about 75, 80 yards on the street party shoot. Greg gets up. I said, charge them. When they get over the hill, just hurry up and run over the hill. And he ran over the hill. And that's when he shot the great ghost, albino ghost. <laughs> great story, great hunt. Great story, great hunt. And albino Albert weighed 20 pounds, had his spurs and a nine-inch beard. <laughs> and had two beards, actually. Nine-inch and a four-inch beard. And albino gobbers get him mounted strutting. Yep. That's when he shot him. He strutting over the hill with the hens. So. That'll be cool. Right, we need to take a break. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends right after this. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys. You ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits. Buckgrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactating doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. You can get a sample. You can order it directly from the website, and we're coming to a retailer near you. If you want to help a deer herd, use BuckGrits. Hey, guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put some wait, extra wait. clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. Bug Grits, Tide Wee, presents Welcome Back to American Roots Outdoors, segment three of the show. We've recapped some of the memories of my spring. Your story now, Wayne. Well, actually, my I had a pretty good spring, you know, uh, even though I didn't get one. I, I've always said if you're out there, you're learning, and if you're learning, you're having a good day. But, yeah, um, so, yeah, so let's preface that. You you had a good day. Yes. You had a good spring, but you didn't put any meat in the freezer. Store-bought. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't count. No, no, it doesn't count. But, no, I had a I had a real good uh, spring uh, getting out there, uh, learned a couple new areas on some land that I – public land that I've been going. Uh, Alex steered me to uh, last year. And, uh, you know, if you're learning the terrain, we always talk about know your terrain, know where you're going. And I learned more about the terrain this year. So next year I'll know, you know, maybe some shortcuts, ways to get around a bird that I didn't know before that I would have had trouble with. But, um, you know, Alex uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show that, uh, you know, I got busted on on the one. And uh, that was a that, that was actually a fantastic hunt. I had 
they were uh got a, got out there in the morning a uh, guy beat me to the spot um he was uh standing on the path listening for the gobbling as the sun was rising uh, we started talking his name's ethan from uh, arkansas and i apologize for not knowing his last name but he says he listens to us all the time so hello ethan but um he said you know he goes hey i've been uh, working this bird over on the right and uh you know he's just not i just can't close a deal on him and i said well i'll go to the right you go to the left there was five goblin off that way and uh sure enough about half hour after the sun rose and we got to our spots all of a sudden i hear a boom and <laughs> so i knew he got his so he went to the right spot but that one that he was talking about that he was having a tough time i i, I believe and i I'm, i still to this day believe it was the same one i had trouble with last year and, it, you know, he'd get him into 60, 75 yards, and this bird would just hang up. I mean, he was an old, wily bird. And sure enough, this uh, this Tom came in, got him at 60 yards. And as I was slowly setting my slate call down, he just happened to catch that little bit of movement. <clears throat> and, uh, boy, his head popped right up, looked right at me, and I just froze still. And he kind of calmed down. I gave some soft yelps with my mouth call. So, you know, that we always talk about, you know, tips and tricks, you know, keep a mouth call in your mouth because I gave it just a couple small little yelps and a purr and he just kind of relaxed back down and he started working his way back towards me again. And as he was getting close to this uh, uh, huge, nice, big, fat tree, I was like, well, as soon as he gets behind that, I'm just going to raise my gun up and I'll be ready for him about 45 yards. And he got behind that tree and out of that tree faster than I could get my gun up, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, he saw that last little probably five inches of my gun getting shouldered and he saw that and he went, he took like three or four steps running the other way and off he went up into the air and over yep. to the next ridge and he was gone. But as he went up, tears started to flow out of my eyes because I saw a rope hanging off of this chest that I have never seen on public land before. Hmm. So there's a reason that guy's that big and that fat and that, that, that beard is that long. It's because he's smart. Um, He'd been hunted. For He'd many, been hunted many years, many years and yeah. the public birds are hard birds to hunt. I mean, Alex and I talk about that for years. We've been talking about how public land birds are tough to hunt, and um, you know, right. but you know what? He's on my bucket list for next year already. So I kind of, by getting to where he was this year, and I saw where he came from, I now knew an area to go to next year. I'm going to try and cut that distance down more because. If it's the same bird, he's roosting, and as we talk about all the time, birds tend to roost in the same spot unless something makes them change. Um, so if you if you got a roosting area down, a general area, you know, now I know where this bird came from. I'm going to get in there closer. But it was you a great know, hunt. Think, great hunt. I think your hunt was successful, even though you didn't kill a bird. You know, it's like you said, you're sharing information and knowledge with people. You've learned information, learned the terrain. <laughs> And you know, you're a different way in on these turkeys. So right. you're learning. It's not always about killing the gobbler. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. So, what I want, that's great information, great hunt. What I want to say, I, I come to Missouri, my guy to youth hunt, Mr. Tom Bytel and his son. Uh, it's a youth hunt, and we hunt at Master Rack, my good friend Tony Hutchison and his family. And we go in and set the tide we blind up in an area that we know strut zone. We hear several gobblers. He told us that there's several gobblers in their area where we're going in this clover field. And we walked through an alfalfa field. We absolutely walked underneath the roost of these turkeys in the tree, literally underneath them. They yeah. crapped on us. We never spooked them off. It was way before daylight. Set the tide. We blind up about 400 yards away from where they roosted. And uh, turkeys start gobbling all around us everywhere. The first gobbler comes in, a big long beard. He comes from the left. And a boy from Springfield's filming the turkey, and 
I don't know that he's guided many people or filmed many people in a blind, but he had the windows wide open with the sun shining right through on uh, my young hunter, uh, Mr. Patel's boy. And anyway, long story short, the guy would come in about 50 yards and spooked. And we had the Avon X in, the Avon X decoy set up. So we just stayed there and couldn't calm him down. He left. I got two other turkeys gobbling, two super jakes come in. They come to the decoys and strut around the decoys and kick around on the decoys. We don't shoot a jake. The young boy, we decided we didn't want to shoot one and let him walk off. Got great footage of it. We're going to eat lunch. We come back at 2 o'clock. We had turkeys walk in from behind us from down a dirt road in the woods, come around to us. It was nine jakes. Nine jakes come in and around the decoy strutting and interacting with the decoys. And uh, we filmed them for 20, 25 minutes. And I heard somebody crying. And I slipped up to the window with the turkeys out there, and I'm behind the blind. They can't see me because I'm up in Cedar Creek. I said, what's he crying about? He wants to shoot one of those jakes. I said, well, let him shoot a jake. Yeah. So he takes the 410, shooting the apex turkey loads at 30 yards. He shoots and shoots the ground. Oh. He shoots the turkey in the foot. <laughs> the turkey goes limping off. The turkey did not die. didn't hurt the turkey. But uh, great mom- memory with the Patel family. And Anyway, that ended the youth season for the first day. And I went later that evening, never got on nothing. The next day, I took my nephew Sawyer, went to one of my honey hoes, never heard of turkey, never got on a turkey. Just spending time with my nephew and, and with the Patel family was an honor just to be in the woods with them, guys, and meant a lot to me to take a kid. And I challenge our listeners, instead of killing all the turkeys you can kill, why don't you take kids? I'm challenging you. Take kids, share the outdoors with kids, or a new beginning hunter. All right, right there would be a good time for us to take a break. We'll be back with our final segment of American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. We'll be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming, it's what we do. From a whipper wheel to an old house who sitting still. Accurate, deadly, dependable, hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady. Each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly. Simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Take it to a holler. Take it to a field across the creek up a big old hill. You know, Alex, there is a, a company in the outdoors that wants to provide quality hunting gear at affordable prices for the everyday hunter. Yes, there is, Redbone. It's Tide We. These guys are a blue-collar company. They make excellent products that's very affordable for everybody. And these guys want to help every outdoorsman live out their passions in the outdoors. And to find out more about this company, just go to www.tidewee.com. That's T-I-D-E-W-E.com. 
boots Passed on down, planted deep in the ground Around you Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. Again, this is the final segment of the radio show, segment four. We are talking about recapping 2023 turkey season, sharing our stories with you and techniques and what we did and what happened and what transpired in our hunts. And Wayne, you had a great story. Even though you did not get the gobbler killed, you had a great encounter and you've obtained a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I got to hunt with some kids. My nephew, Sawyer, and the Patel family that bought the hunt with CTO, Cross Trail Outfitters, and hunted with Rock Attack. And we made some great memories, even though we didn't get a turkey. And uh, I wrapped up the third segment with challenging our listeners to take kids instead of trying to kill all the turkeys you can kill uh, so we can keep our hunting heritage strong. Wayne, you have something you want to mention real quick. Yeah, uh, real quickly, I wanted to mention that the uh, we have three winners uh, that we drew this week uh, for some sticker packages and some uh, mouth calls that are going to be going out to them. Uh, Daniel Boyle, Beth Kincaid Cook, and Diane Helms, if you're listening to this, uh, whether it be on the radio or on the podcast, get a hold of us and uh, get us your address. Um, actually, I got uh, Beth's address already, but uh, I need Danielle and Diane to get a hold of us so we can get you uh, your packages shipped out. Hi, Alex. Yeah, congratulations. So I, I came up with a question while you were talking about uh, your hunt during the last segment. And, and that question is, and, and as folks know, I'm not a turkey hunter. I'll maybe start now that I'm retired and have more time. And I have turkey hunted and I've killed turkeys that other people have called in. But as, and this is how much I don't know about turkey hunting. You mentioned that you walked right under where some birds were roosted. And then you set up the blind quite a distance away from there. So my question is, if you know where a bird is roosted, how far is that bird going to fly when he flies down? Do they come straight down? Do they fly to an open field? I mean, because that would be something that I would have no idea going in the woods if I was to know where the bird was roosted. How far is he going to fly when he comes down? Well, it depends on the turkey. You know, it depends what transpires. Uh, depends on predators in the area. They usually try to like to land in an open spot. Uh, I've seen turkeys fly out of the roost and fly 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I've seen them fly straight down, just wing flop and just hit the ground right there. So to answer that question, you can answer it different ways. Uh, we set the blind 400 yards away because we didn't want to make a bunch of noise too close to the roost and make them shut up and scare them. That's why we chose to go 400 yards away, and that's okay. something you should do. It's hard to set up a blind within 100 yards of a goblin turkey when you don't know where the roosted at. And if you do know what roosted and you try to set a blind up, good luck. Yeah. Okay. Especially here in southern Missouri. Yeah. Well, now, what I just... want to do is share the Missouri hunts with you real quick. Uh, Missouri season, I come to Missouri, and I hunt with three days with Mr. Joe Holland Shed, Devil's Backbone Outfitters. We never got on a goblin turkey the three days I spent with him out in that whole country over there. And we walked five, six miles one day. I come home the next day and hunted one of my honey holes that I took my nephew Sawyer to. And I called in five longbeards that come in to my decoy setup, shooting the avian X, uh, setting up over the avian X decoys, shooting apex ammunition, shooting a 410. I got the turkeys in 15 yards, five longbeards. And they kept getting too close to each other, and that's why I wouldn't shoot that close. So we obtained footage, and it was real, real windy that day. 
and my burlap blew off the camera, and they kind of spooked a little bit. I calmed them down. They started walking back off the direction they came, and finally one of the big turkeys separated where I could make a shot. When I went to start to make the shot, their heads moved back together again, so I pulled the shot, and I missed. So that was miss number one for me. Yep, you heard me right, miss number one. I missed three times this spring. My eyes are failing me, and we'll talk about that before we wrap up the show. So the next, after that, I don't get on another turkey. Uh, the next day, I go back to Devil's Bach, known outfitters. We have Overland Chronicles comes in, Scotty Sullivan, a wonderful television show, very high-end show. He comes in, I call in a gobbler right off the bat for them. Uh, the gobbler sees the camera. Uh, the cameraman move, and the camera stands up like a sore thumb, and the turkey spooks and walks off. I can't calm him down. We worked turkeys all morning, all day. The same turkey again later that day. Did not get him killed. The second day, we go back in. We get to go to the same area, get on the turkey. And uh, we worked him and worked him and worked him. And finally, he went to another ridge, got up on top of the ridge, and we slipped into close to him. And got on top of him, and I soft-called him and brought him out to the open for him to shoot him. So he shot him at 40 yards, a big turkey, probably 24-pound turkey. 11-inch beard, inch quarter spurs. Uh, it's all great footage. I filmed it for Scotty for Overland Chronicles. The next hunt, I take Greg Charney. Greg Charney comes in, and uh, we get on turkeys. Uh, he ha- actually hunted with Chance Hollinshed the first day. They did, they worked turkeys, had them close, couldn't get them close enough to shoot. Next day, I take him. Joe and I take him last day of his hunt, and the same thing. We got on a gobbler late morning. Uh, we worked turkeys all morning. He was up on a big flat in the food plot. We slipped in there close where we could see him at about 70, 80 yards. I saw a call to him with the ARO uh, new call I'm coming out with called the Mo3. You'll hear about it uh, through social media, and it'll be on our website this coming next spring, the Mo3. And soft yelped the turkey into 30 yards, and uh, he gave him an apex headache. Laid him down. The turkey weighed on bathroom scales 27 and a half pounds. <laughs> 12 inch beard, inch quarter spurs. Greg Cherney did not miss this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, a turkey that big, how could you miss? It's like hitting the side of a barn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He blowed him down. I mean, it was great food. We slipped in there and I filmed the footage. Uh, strutting across the food plot coming in. It's one of the food plots that Chance had made. But an old warrior, an old ridge warrior. So that was that hunt. And from there, we're done hunting there. And I come back home, uh, never got on turkeys. 23 days of hunting, counting the youth season, there was 13 days that I did not get to work a turkey that was on my side of the fence. They'd be on the neighbors where I couldn't go. Wow. So 10 days, 10 days of hunting, I called in. Uh, 45 gobblers counting the jakes within 40 yards and less. There was 23 jakes that I called in this spring in Missouri. That's a good sign. Yep. And it's 23 jakes. Yep. That was in uh, Douglas County around Ava. Yep. And here in Shannon County, uh, several jakes here in Shannon County too. So we're going to have a good year next year. So I go to Arkansas. Uh, with a good friend of mine, Wag. We're going to call him Wag. We go to his farm, northern Arkansas, right on the Missouri line. 
Uh, we put, he pulls the truck in a quarter mile into the property. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I wonder why we didn't park at the road. We parked right on top of the turkeys. They don't gobble. They fly down, leave. We hear two other turkeys gobbling. We drive around to where we heard another turkey gobbling, get out of the truck, walk up into an open area, not 200 yards from where we parked the truck. And I call this gobbler from over 400 yards off of a ridge. And he comes into RAV and the X decoy set up. I'm filming. We got about five minutes of footage of him strutting around the decoy. And uh, I go to make the shot when he struts away from me at the 410, and I miss. Yeah. <laughs> I miss. So I calm him down. He goes to gobble him again. I work him and get him close, but not close enough to shoot. He's in thick stuff. And he leaves, start going back the way he came from earlier that morning. So we get up, make a move, go all the way around and get on top of the ridge. I change to the Evelyn Slate call, soft call. Here he comes five times, and then we kill him. This turkey here never weighed him. He's probably 23, 24-pound turkey. Again, 10-and-a-half-inch beard, inch-quarter spurs. Big turkey. From there, uh, I go back and hunt again. The next a day later, in her Missouri, never got on a turkey in Missouri. Went back to Northern Arkansas the next day. It's my last day to hunt on a Sunday. I pull up to the gate. Think I'm not going to pull up there where he pulled at. I scared <laughs> him. I park at the gate. Wayne, Redbone, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I get out of the truck, do my duties, got to use the bathroom, open the gate real quiet, walk in to the edge of the field over there, took me a restroom break. Get back in my truck. I'm there about 20 minutes before daylight. Stand up my truck. I turn my camera on and film myself saying, all right, I'm parking here at the gate. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he gobbles 50 yards in front of my truck. I'm standing in my truck. <laughs> and they rode up the field. So I got to stand up my truck. I'm debating, what should I do? There's no way I can leave here. Do I walk down the road and walk back around, try to call him? What do I do? So I just said, I'm going to stand here at the truck. So I'm filming him gobbling on his own. I've never called to him. There's daylight enough now where he could fly down. So I just thought some soft tree yelps to him, putts with the E-250. And uh, he flies down out in the middle of the field, 60, 70 yards. And he can see my truck. Hmm. This turkey can see my truck, the front of my truck. And he's gobbling his head off. And I film him walking back to the left. I pitch my car over to the left and he comes all the way to the left in 35 steps of me and I miss him. Oh. I shot a limb. When I put my bead down on the turkey, I could not see my sights, guys. Mm. My eyes are failing me. I could not see the bead. I had to raise my head up off the bead twice with him going in behind trees to make sure I could see my bead. When he came out, I finally could make my bead out, and I put it on his head, and I shot a tree. Wow. I, could, I didn't pay attention between the trees. Never even touched the turkey. Went back the next day. The day That was the day before the last day. I said it was the last day. It was the day before the last day. Went back in there to hunt him again. He gobbles up about 200 yards up on the ridge further away next to the field. I never did get to get on him. I went across the road into Missouri because I had a Missouri tag. I get up there, and I went. I got a turkey gobbling his brains out, and I get up there in 50 yards of him, get ready to shoot him, and all of a sudden I hear somebody start yelping. Uh-oh. A trespasser. A mm. trespasser was over on their farm. And I thought, man, I'm not going to get shot, so I just left that turkey gobbling. I was just about to kill him. Mm. I 
this ain't worth getting shot over. So I walked back out, tried to get back on that other turkey over there that I missed the day before, got over there, and finally got on him about 10.30. He gobbled, he acted like a runaway freight train going directly away from you. I couldn't ever head him off. Hmm. So that's how I ended up my turkey season. Huh? Had nine turkeys shot in front of nine shots in front of me, forty five turkeys called in so far, and I think it was four or five kills. Right. And four misses. So that's my turkey season. All right. That's um that's the end of the program. We gotta wrap it up right here, Wayne. We are absolutely out of time. Yep, and just because the radio show's ending doesn't mean that the show's ending. So join us on a podcast, American Roots Outdoors podcast on your favorite podcast carrier. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Apex and Amped Outdoors presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. This is Wayne Locke. I got Mike Crace is in the studio with me. Alex had to uh, get off the phone here because he's leaving for Ohio. He's going to go to uh, the Buckeye State and uh, hunt some of those gobblers up there in my home state. Ah, so uh, will he, will he have good luck? Where he's hunting, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they they are loaded uh, down there where he's hunting. Uh, All right. There's well, no doubt. well, I, I say, will he see lots of turkeys? Yes. Okay. And if he's using this 410, the luck may not be. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but anyway, but, you know, eyesight, we talk about the turkey's eyesight all the time. Yes. If you're going to turkey hunt, and, and like I said, I don't. I have turkey hunted, but I'm not a turkey hunter. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have really good eyesight. Oh, no to doubt. Turkey hunt. No doubt. The birds are hard to see if you're hunting a brush or in the woods. I mean, I've, I've deer hunted and what's that? What's that? What's that? And, you know, look for five minutes while I figure out, oh, it's a turkey. <laughs> so, and 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 that obviously is becoming an issue for Alex. Right, and and that's one of we didn't we ran out of time on the the regular portion of the show, but I did want to you know bring up Alex's. I I am five years ahead of where Alex is now, okay. and that is about five years ago. My eyes started failing like horribly fast. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up having to do is, you know, he keeps talking about, I couldn't see the beat of my gun. I couldn't see the beat of my gun. I, I can't, I don't even use a beaded gun anymore. I got myself one of those big old fat fiber, bright orange fiber optics sights that are on the end of my right. gun. Yep. And man, it lights up everything. I mean, no matter how, what the light is situation, whether it's bright sun or early morning, it has totally changed my ability to get on a gobbler in early morning hours or, or uh, in Ohio, you could hunt till the evening in the last two weeks, right. but uh, it totally changed. And, and and now I use it also for uh, my muzzleloader, everything. I just, I can't do a beat anymore. Yeah. See, I, I, I have the issue in the same way. I, that's why I couldn't see. And, mm-hmm. and what I really struggled with, I do football play by play. And I got to a point where I couldn't read the numbers on uniforms on a football field. Now, try and call a game and and tell who's carrying the ball or who made the tackle <laughs> when you can't see the numbers, make out the numbers on the uniforms. So I, I'd go get glasses. Right. But that creates an issue when I deer hunt looking through a scope. Correct. So I when I see a deer, I have to take my glasses off and then look through the scope. 
Now that I had that problem too because I used to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. So then I went to contacts, but then I had to put on readers, you know, the old Walmart yeah. readers, yeah. because if I wanted to read something, I couldn't see it. Yeah. And I happened to be, and it was when I was here in, when I first came to Missouri about four years ago, I was getting my normal eyes checked to get my new glasses or my new contacts. And the ladies like, uh, I, I was complaining about Walmart glasses. I'm, you know, I got 50 of them laying around the house and she's like, well, why don't you do the, um, you know, short and uh, short vision in your left eye, your long vision in your right eye. I'm there like, what you are you? Go. I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, oh yeah. She goes, I'll give you a contact to read with in your left eye. Your right eye will be for your shooting, your long, long distance. distance. And I said, well, man, I said, you talk about a headache. She's like, after ten minutes, you'll never know the difference. I said, you're kidding me. Wow. So, three, four years ago, I got two different contacts: one for close now reading, one for far away. And I can sit here and, and you know, you're right here in front of me. I'm mm-hmm. looking at, I can totally read my paper now, six wow. inches from my face that I couldn't do before, but I can also see across the field with my right eye and a scope. Yeah. So it's something you may want to think about. I don't know if you're a contact guy. Like my wife, she's not contact. No. She's not a contact person. She'll never stick nothing in her eyes. It freaks her out. I, I don't <laughs> think I could do it in a million years. And I, the problem I have with glasses also, and I know you got this problem. If you wear a face mask, they mm-hmm. fog up. Oh, yeah. And I don't care what kind of fo- anti-fog spray you use. Yeah. It, it, oh, they, they still fog up. Yeah, they still fog but see, up. And I, see, because I'm wearing trifocals. Oh, geez. Yeah, so I, I have three different vision areas in my glasses. So for close up, for medium distance, and then for far away. So Is that why you always think the birds and the deer come in? In, in threes yeah <laughs> man i had three bucks come in on my stand today no no same deer yeah. just <laughs> no but it, but it is a challenge and, and as hunters as we get older there, there are those yeah. challenges but uh anyway you know i was sitting there thinking about alex you know driving up on this turkey 50 yards out there in front of him and having to shoot from <laughs> standing next to the truck right in your experience what should he have done Actually, I think he did the right thing. I, I, well, there's two. You, you basically have two options. Do what he did, and that is let the bird fly down and kind of go off its way, and then you kind of try and circle around. Right. Uh, the other option is is you just get up on that bird. You know, and, and uh, of course, it's illegal to shoot them when they're in the tree. Obviously, we don't sure. ever tell anybody, don't, you know, do right. that. But, exactly. hey, if you, if you think you can get into that bird and you can get within, you know, 30, 40 yards of that bird— what do you got to lose at this point? If you've been busted, he knows you're there. He's going to come down eventually. Yeah. Just try to get to where as soon as those feet hit the ground, take the shot. I mean, that's the two options. You really are kind of you're but stuck. Then at that point, you're stuck if, between a rock and a hard place. But but at that point, if he knows about where you are, I mean, chances are, isn't he going to fly down in a different direction? Right. That's what I'm saying. If you, if you close the distance, yeah. and with today's ammunition, you know you can take sixty yard shot. If you're if you're proficient at it and you practice, sure. you could take a sixty yard shot. So if that bird comes down, you know thirty yards away, and you've already closed the distance down to twenty or thirty yards, you're still within range. Okay. Now you had asked that question about well, you know, where do I set up uh, earlier in the show? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that we just didn't get a chance to talk about is timber birds are totally different than field birds. If you're if your birds are in the uh, edge of fields and they're roosted, they will fly out to the middle. Why? Because that's their safest spot. They sure. can see everything around. Right. And that's generally, and then they'll start gobbling. Hens will come over to them. Um, and, and that's another thing based on that statement is that people have got to remember, we're trying to reverse Mother Nature. We're trying yeah. to get a Tom to come to us right. <laughs> when it's supposed to be the other way around. The hens yeah. are supposed to go to the Tom. But in, in the woods, they will, uh, a lot of times those birds will hang up there 
until they see the hens. The hens will sometimes fly down first, and as soon as they hear those hens fly down, you'll start hearing them gobble in the tree, and they'll fly down right next to the hens. So, you know, you could be, they could fly down 20 yards from their tree. Um, but if they're in the fields, generally they're they're sw- they're swooping down to the middle of that field. So See, this thing about turkey hunting, it is so I don't want to use the word complicated, uh, but, but but there are so many variables. There's tons. And, and I think for people uh, that don't get an opportunity to hunt a lot, that's why they don't turkey hunt. Right. Is because there are so many things that you have, unless you're just real lucky. Yeah, and there's we all know those people out there that yeah. are lucky. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've known people that have. I want to go turkey hunt. You ever been before? Nope. I know where there's some turkeys, and they go and they just sit by a tree, and a turkey walks by, and they kill it. Right, first day, first time out, boom, they yeah, got a turkey. Boom, kill a turkey. They're like, that's did not that call? hard. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> right. How did, did you do that? Didn't make a noise. Just sat there real still, and turkey just came walking by, and I shot. Him. I shot him. Yeah, yeah. It's like those deer hunter ones. But hey, you know, speaking of blinds though, and, and where to set up. Uh, earlier in the show, Alex was talking about, you know, you can't sit up next to a blind or next, you know, too close. Because right. That's why they set right. 400 yards away. Mm-hmm. If you're on private property, this is where an advantage comes in. If you know where they're roosting, set the blind up in the, yeah, set the blind up in the afternoon for the next morning's hunt. Right. So this way you can, and keep the, keep the door open. So you can just sneak on in there, tuck yourself in, have your chair set up, have everything set up. And when the sun rises, you're in there, you made no noise, and you're only within, you know, 50 to 100 yards of that bird instead of 400. But if you're in public areas or areas where you, you're not going to be there the next day, yeah. it kind of eliminates yeah, that somebody, option. Somebody will take your blind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these tidy wee blinds, you don't want to be losing those. Let no, me tell you right exactly now. Right. That's exactly right. All right, boy. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. I know you had some winners uh, from yeah. the last couple of weeks. Who were they again? Yeah. One, one more time. We had Dan- uh, Daniel Boyle. Uh, he's out of Ohio. Uh, Beth Kincaid Cook, um, I believe she's out of Missouri, and Diana Helms. I don't know where Diana Helms is at. Um, she left her um, her review, but didn't leave her right. name and her, her state on there. Oh, so, okay. uh, Diane, if you're listening, uh, you said you listen to us all the time on the review. So, hey, here's your name. So get a hold of me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and let us know. And yep. uh, go we'll get that package nice, out to you. Yeah, nice you're going to get package. A, a package full of stickers and a mouth call. All right. And so, uh, I mean, Alex is going uh, turkey hunting in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll still talk a little bit of turkey uh, in the probably the next couple of weeks of show. Yeah, I think he's there for three weeks. Uh, uh, not three weeks straight, but it's three three weekends. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll still do a little turkey talking. Yep. Uh, but it's going to be time to shift gears to getting out on the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny you said that because I was actually just talking to someone today about uh, I'm looking forward to hitting the river and doing some river fishing mm-hmm. for the first time here. So I am so looking forward Me to it. Me too. I've already got my my reel and my rod picked out from PC Fun, so ah. though they got some beauties on there, I wish I would have known about them years ago. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be ordering some stuff. We're going to get that fishing going, and we're changing topics here. And competitive archery, we yep. may be looking at a a, a, a a former Olympian to be a guest here. Oh, very cool. Yes, yes. So very cool. um, well, everybody. You've been listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. We appreciate you uh, being a loyal listener. And uh, again, leave your name, state you're from in a review, and you may be one of the winners like those last three were. And uh, never know what we're going to give away. That's exactly. Redbone, like we say here at American Roots. When your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. What the wind.